Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. The Lady in the Kalba Part 1 by Miss Chris 14 Chapter 01 I could think of a million better ways to spend my summer. Three of my girlfriends were shopping in Paris at this very moment, while I sat sprawled out in the back seat of our minivan, listening to my father singing along with the Rolling Stones and Luke and my mother chatting aimlessly with Lucy, my younger sister. In all honesty, I would have rather been heading anywhere else. Of all the places to take a family vacation, my parents chose a dude ranch in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, where, they had noted excitedly, we'd be able to ride horses and learn how to square dance. How thrilling doubt we'd already driven 200 miles that morning, and we still had another 600 to go. We wouldn't reach the ranch until that evening, and it looked like I was going to die of boredom before then. My parents said that flying would have ruined part of the whole vacation experience. Apparently driving through desert for 11 hours and watching ungodly amounts of sand and cacti go by was something necessary I had to go through in order to fully appreciate life. I peered out the window through my sunglasses while twirling a lock of blonde hair, daydreaming about little cafes around the corner from the Eiffel Tower and trying to figure out how I was going to survive two weeks living in a cabin with nothing outside but dirt and farm animals. Apparently this was a fully functioning cattle ranch, meaning that its purpose wasn't solely for guests and tourists although I think that was supposed to be part of the appeal. The rest of my family seemed to be in the spirit. My dad had bought us all cub hats and both Lucy and my mom were sporting new western-style boots. Even Luke seemed excited about going. He'd taken vacation time off work to go with us, which I admit, was one nice thing about this trip. I'd barely seen my older brother since he'd started working after he finished college. It wasn't long before Lucy tried to draw me into conversation. Kira, do you think there will be any guys there? At fifteen, my sister had a one-track mind. I smiled. No, it's going to be an all-female ranch. I replied back sarcastically. She gave a long, dramatic sigh. You know what I mean. Luke decided to jump in. It doesn't matter how many guys are there because if any of them so much as looks the wrong way at my baby sister, they're going to see what the inside of a horse's ass looks like. Luke! My mother exclaimed while my dad laughed. Does that go for both sisters? I asked, smiling. Darn tootin'. Luke turned and gave me a wink. He was five years older than me, and even though we were now nineteen and twenty-four, he still liked to pretend that I needed his protection one of his more endearing qualities. Most of the time doubt we drove for what seemed like an eternity, stopping only for gas, food, and the occasional. I have to pee. From Lucy, who'd gone through about five water bottles that day. We got off the freeway around seven and drove along a dirt road for a half hour. This place truly was in the middle of nowhere. The sun was setting as we pulled off the track, under an archway that had Waterman Ranch, engraved on IT.AS we drove in. The first thing I noticed was how big the place was. 
Huge amounts of green and brown pasture lay sprawled out around what seemed to be the main part of the ranch, where there were clusters of guest cabins in the distance and a giant house that stood in the middle of stables and corrals. Horses were out galloping in fenced areas and being herded into a large red barn by ranch hands. Groups of people that mostly looked like guests were walking into the big house, which would have looked like a mansion if it weren't made out of wood. There was an extensive porch that swept across three sides of the building, and many lingered outside sipping drinks and talking. After parking the car and grabbing the luggage, we were led to the cabin which the five of us were going to be packed into. To my surprise, it wasn't that small. There was a decent-sized living room with a kitchen that offset it. The main room was furnished with wooden sofas and chairs, and had a fireplace with a large rug in front. In addition, there were two bedrooms. I'd be sharing a room with Lucy, and Luke would take the extra bed in my parents' room that I put down my suitcase and walked into the bedroom. Two twin beds were placed about eight feet apart, and I chose the one on the edge of the room that sat directly next to a window. After sitting down and testing the bed, which actually felt quite comfy, I opened the window curtain and looked outside. Although it was dark, I could still see pretty well. In the distance, I saw men on horses leading cows into the stable. Others were walking toward the large house that sat in the center of the ranch, where a large amount of people were gathering. Small, colorful orbs hung in the air between the buildings now, and I realized they were paper lanterns, lit up in hues of red, green, blue, and yellow. My mom came into the room and looked out the window with me. You know everyone gets together at that main house at night. They call it the lodge, and there's music and dancing. I think we should all head out there. It will be fun. How a middle-aged woman who had been up since six in the morning had so much energy. I had no idea. But that was my mother. Tonight? Don't we need to unpack? I asked in a voice that made it clear I was less than enthused. You know, I think after twelve hours in the car today, you'd want to walk around for a little while. She answered, smiling. She did have a point. A half hour later, all five of us were heading into the big ranch house. It certainly wasn't what I was expecting. The house looked big from the outside, but the inside seemed huge, and as soon as we walked in, I could see why they named it the lodge. It looked like the lobby of a large hunting lodge. There was one main room, completely decked out in western decor. A fiddle band played in the corner while people danced on the hardwood floors in the center of the room, and there was a bar off to the side, where ladies in cowboy hats were serving food and drinks. The walls were decorated with things like antlers and pictures of the ranch from years ago, and paper lanterns like the ones outside provided an extra bit of glow to the already bright room. I had to admit, the place had character. Shuffling over from the bar, a tall, slightly stout man, probably in his mid-fifties, introduced himself as the owner of the ranch. You must be the new guests, the Davis family? His voice was deep and booming. I'm Jack Waterman, the owner of the ranch, and we're all pleased to have you here. If there's anything at all that I can do to make your stay more enjoyable, well then you just let me know. He was wearing a white, button-down shirt, large cowboy hat, boots, and he sported a thick salt and pepper mustache. While exchanging pleasantries with my parents, he had a big grin on his face. These are our daughters, Kira and Lucy. My mother introduced us to Mr. Waterman, thrilled that the owner of the ranch himself was getting to know us. And my son Luke is over at the bar. We've been driving all day from Southern California, but we had to come tonight and see what we were missing here. Our motto here at the ranch is ride hard during the day and dance even harder in the evening. Mr. Waterman replied proudly. The man looked tough but once he started talking he actually came across as very sweet. This kind of shindig goes down every night, and usually lasts for a while. 
It's a great way to get to know the staff and the other guests. You all make yourselves at home, and don't forget to get up early tomorrow for the trail rides. Oh, trail rides, Lucy exclaimed excitedly, turning to my mom who nodded with her. I seemed to be the only one in the family who wasn't thrilled to have the chance to act like a cowboy, or cowgirl. Dot for two weeks. After a few more minutes of chatter, Mr. Waterman went over to greet others, while my parents started dancing. Everyone in the room seemed to be into the whole western theme, wearing clothing like jeans and boots and such. I felt extremely out of place in my blue cotton dress and flip-flops. I didn't know that I would need to dress more appropriately on the first night here. Unlike normal families that would want to sleep after twelve hours of driving, mine wanted to learn the two-step. All right, ladies, which one of you wants to be the first to dance with me? Luke was back from the bar, beer in hand, which seemed to be the drink of choice judging by what everyone else in the room was sipping. Lucy looked at me with a kind of pleading smile. You guys go ahead and dance away. I replied relieved. I may have spent an entire day in the back of a van, but the last thing I wanted to do now was show off how gloriously bad I was on the dance floor. The room was starting to spin anyway, and I grew hot under the bright lights. The loud music wasn't helping either. I think I'm just going to go sit out on the porch and get some fresh air. I tried to sound as though I was having fun. I wasn't. The porch was much better though since I had never been one for large, noisy crowds. I leaned against the railing and gazed out at the ranch, which was a lot emptier now than it had been earlier. Others walked behind me, laughing and talking. The one thing I did love out here was that you could see the stars more clearly than I'd ever seen them before. Los Angeles was not exactly an ideal place for stargazing, but then something more interesting, and dare I say even more beautiful than the night sky, caught my eye. A lone horse was running through a corral a small ways in the distance. Furiously tossing its head and bucking wildly, it seemed to be doing everything in its power to throw the rider who was trying to tame it. Even though the fenced area was lit, it was still dark and far enough away to the point where I couldn't see a lot of detail. Taking one quick look back into the lodge where my family was laughing and dancing, I decided that walking up a little closer to get a better look wasn't going to hurt. Watching a crazy horse try and kill someone seemed much more interesting than what was going on here. I walked down the steps of the porch and started making my way toward the corral. I don't think anyone saw me because it was pretty dark outside. Not wanting to be caught spying, I hid in the shadow behind the edge of the red barn that was stationed next to the area with the wild horse. Standing there, I poked my head around the corner. My breath caught in my throat. Sitting upon the jet black stallion was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. His hair was as dark as the horse's, and he was tall maybe six feet three inches or six feet four inches. I couldn't tell exactly because he was atop the mount. He wasn't wearing a shirt, and even though the night air was cool, his tan skin glistened with evidence of the physical exertion of training a horse. All I could see was lean, hard muscle, rippling and straining in effort to handle the untamed beast. His legs tense under his faded jeans, cowboy boots digging into the sides of the horse— it was a wonder I could even stand because my legs felt like jelly. I clutched the edge of the barn for support. When he turned the horse around and his face came clearly into view, I only caught a glimpse of it before I quickly tucked myself behind the wall of the barn so he couldn't see me. A glimpse wasn't going to be enough. Reminding myself that it was dark, I slowly poked my head out again. His face was as hard as the rest of him, but incredibly handsome. I could see the determination in his eyes and while he was straining to try and handle the horse, fixed in concentration, I could tell he was enjoying the challenge. Completely absorbed, I stood there watching him for about ten minutes. The horse finally started to settle down, 
or at least it wasn't bucking as furiously as before. Five more minutes went by and the man swung his leg over the saddle and jumped off the steed. Still holding the reins firmly in his hand, he started patting the horse's mane while gently trying to soothe it. Sure, Adabel. You're all right now, SHHH. His voice was low, deep, and smooth. As I watched his strong hands expertly guide the reins and rub the horse's neck, I imagined what those hands would feel like running all over me. Watching him made me astutely aware of my own body, which at this point felt feverish. He started walking the horse toward the stables, the stables I was standing right outside of. Snapping out of my fantasy world, I quickly realized that I needed to get back to the lodge, or else be caught out here alone by the handsome horse trainer. When he was inside the barn with the horse, I briskly walked back toward the ranch house in the darkness, mulling over what I had just seen. Perhaps this vacation wouldn't be so bad after all if the ranch hands all look like that. My instinct though told me he was something special. I lived in California and had seen plenty of gorgeous men. I'd never seen anyone like that before, or at least someone who made me feel like I suddenly didn't have any innards. What was wrong with me? The idea of a cowboy wasn't even particularly attractive, but I was attracted to that cowboy. There was no denying that. When I got back to the lodge, I found out I had been missed. Where have you been? Asked Luke who was nursing another beer just inside the doors to the main room. I just decided to take a little walk. You know, look around the place. I tried to sound casual, but I don't think it worked. Luke raised an eyebrow suspiciously. Where are mom, dad, and Lucy? I asked, trying to change the subject. Around here somewhere. Dad was dancing with Lucy last time I saw him. I think mom made some new friends. As he said that, I noticed my mother about thirty feet away, chatting with a woman who looked to be around her age, maybe slightly older. The woman was taller and had dark brown hair with some gray threaded through it, and like everyone else, she wore jeans, boots, and a cowboy hat. Mom saw Luke and me, and motioned us to head over. Kira, Luke, this is June Waterman, Mr. Waterman's wife. My mom introduced us to the lady who co-owned the ranch. I'm very pleased to meet the two of you. She smiled as she greeted us. It's not often we get visitors from California at this place. Usually it's mostly locals from across New Mexico, and sometimes Arizona and Texas. I'm surprised you LA folks are interested in vacationing at a dude ranch. Trust me, I'm not. I wanted to say it, but of course I just smiled and nodded my head. Mrs. Waterman seemed very nice. The least I could do was pretend like I wanted to be here. As she was discussing different aspects of the ranch, Mrs. Waterman stopped in mid-sentence looking across the room to the entry doors. Ah, trip! There you are! She exclaimed, a glowing, happy look in her eyes that I turned around to see who she was calling to. I wished I hadn't. I wished I'd just gone back to the cabin after my escapade by the barn. I wished at that moment I was invisible that he was wearing a shirt now, at least there was that. In the light, he was even more beautiful than he was twenty minutes ago. His eyes were a forest green, and he was sporting a five o'clock shadow that gave him a rougher look. You could tell he'd just been through hell. He was dirty and his black hair that fell past his ears was tousled, although now there was a brown stetson upon his head that I didn't know what to do. Did I have time to quickly excuse myself and get away? If that man came near me, I wouldn't be able to string two words together coherently. I doubted I'd even be able to talk. As he walked over to where we were standing, he quickly stopped by the bar where one of the waitresses handed him a beer and gave him one of the biggest, most obviously flirtatious smiles I'd ever seen. Soon he was giving Mrs. Waterman a hug and kissing her on the cheek with a loving look in his eyes. 
While he was hard and rugged, he looked more boyish when he smiled. And then that mouth of his opened, and I heard his voice again. June, I'm only stopping in real quick for a drink. I'm worn out something fierce. He talked with a light southern drawl, which I thought was unusual since we were in New Mexico. I watched as he took a long swallow from his beer. He cocked his head back slightly as his strong jaw moved to swallow the liquid. I couldn't look away, not even if I wanted to. You look horrible. Mrs. Waterman was laughing as she said it. The woman must have been crazy. I thought he looked like heaven incarnate. Look at you, what have you been doing? Just trying to break in that damn horse some more. I like doing it at night. Less hot, and not as many people around. Well, I want you to meet Lisa Davis. She's here with her family from Los Angeles. They just got in a couple hours ago. Evening, ma'am. He smiled as he shook her hand. I had never been jealous of my mother before, but at that moment, I was dot and why mom smiled back. This is my son, Luke, and my eldest daughter, Kira. I've got a husband and another daughter running around here somewhere. Tripp looked to Luke and nodded, and then he turned to me. The smile that was there when he'd addressed my mom and brother faltered a little. Oh God, what had I done? What was I doing wrong? Was I even standing up? My whole body felt like liquid as his eyes met mine for the first time. He didn't say anything, didn't even nod as he'd done with Luke. Trip Carson, he finally said as if only talking to me, still staring into my eyes for two seconds before jerking his head back to smile again at my mom. Very pleased to meet y'all. I do need to hit the sack though. He turned to look at Mrs. Waterman. I'm heading out early tomorrow to move the cattle. Mrs. Waterman nodded. All right, you get off to bed. And do yourself a favor and take a shower first. She teased him. His eyes locked with mine one more time before he turned and walked toward the door. It was for no more than a half second, but it was enough to further burn the image of his gaze in my mind for the rest of the night. After he walked away, Mrs. Waterman started talking about him. Trips like a son to Jack and I. His folks died in a car accident when he was twelve. Being good family friends and having known him since he was a baby, we took him in when they died. He didn't have anyone else. He runs this ranch probably more than we do now. I've never in my life seen someone with such a natural way with horses. She bragged. How awful to lose your family at such a young age, my mother said sympathetically. It was hard on him at first, but he was strong and he loves the ranch. Loves Jack and I too, always has. As I said, he's like the son we never had. We never were able to have children of our own. I listened intently to what Mrs. Waterman was saying. I had seen firsthand at how adept Trip was at handling horses. Any other man would have been thrown off that black buck within thirty seconds, but not Trip Carson. Trip Carson, even the name itself sounded like one of a cowboy. My heart panged when I heard of his parents, but I was also glad that he had found a family in the Watermans, who seemed like kind people. A an hour later, we all walked back to our cabin after my family finally wore themselves out. Did you enjoy yourself, Kira? My dad asked, noticing my black stare off into the night. I shrugged and gave him a weak smile, still lost in thought. Would I see him again? The ranch was big, but it wasn't enormous, and the man seemed to have a prominent role in the upkeep of the place. If I just kept my head down and stuck with my family, I was sure I wouldn't have any more interactions with him. As I thought of that, though, part of me ached. I wanted to see him again, even if I turned to liquid when he was near. That night, as I snuggled under the large quilt that was placed on the cabin bed, I dreamt of green, seductive eyes that bore into my very soul when they looked at me. 
I dreamt of powerful arms enveloping me and strong hands doing wicked things to my body. I dreamt of Trip Carson. Chapter 02 It was just my luck that I would see him again the next day, bright and early. Lucy had wanted to go on a morning trail ride, and being the nice daughter that I was, I let my parents sleep in and went with her. There were about fifteen of us riding up a mountain trail, and Lucy rode beside me on her white and brown pinto. Now although I had lived for almost twenty years, the closest thing I had ever ridden to a horse was a little pony at the petting zoo when I was six. To say I was inexperienced is an understatement. My horse was more jittery than I would have desired, but luckily we all stuck pretty close together and were going at a slow pace. I didn't have to do much, as the horses followed the trail guide a perky woman with red hair, probably in her mid-thirties that I was actually enjoying the scenery when suddenly I heard a horse galloping quickly up the mountain. Actually, the closer the sound got, the more it sounded like a few horses running toward us. The tour guide stopped as Trip and another man who was wearing a red shirt emerged and rode up to her. Both men looked slightly worried. Trip was wearing a gray cowboy hat, which hid his eyes pretty effectively. As soon as I saw who it was my heart stopped, and I prayed that he wouldn't see me. I sat on top of a horse, and if he looked at me the way he had last night, I'd probably fall off. The man who rode with him was talking to the trail guide. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I got the feeling they were looking for someone when I heard the guide say, I don't know where he is, exasperatedly. I remembered that Trip had said he was moving cattle today. Perhaps there was some sort of mishap. As the man with the red shirt spoke some more to the guide, my horse decided to have somewhat of a fit. Quickly jolted from my train of thought, I gave a yelp in surprise as the thing rose slightly on its hind legs and began to furiously toss its head. The small scream caught everyone's attention. Now, not only did Trip notice me, but the entire rest of the trail party was looking my way, including the guide and the man she was talking to. My first instinct was to drop the reins grab the saddle horn and hold on for dear life. The next thing I knew though Trip was beside me with my horse's reins in his hand. He gave them a quick little pull and let out a short whistle. Instantly, my horse stopped throwing itself around and calmly stood there, as if just a second ago it wasn't trying to kill me. It took a couple moments for me to realize that I was all right. Completely mortified, I slowly turned to the left where Trip was sitting on his mount, holding my hat that he had caught as it fell off my head while the horse was bucking. He wasn't smiling exactly, but he had an amused gleam in his eyes. Don't drop the reins next time, California, he said as he handed me my hat, the corner of his mouth edging upward. I couldn't say anything while I sat there looking at him stupidly, bathing in embarrassment as I took my hat and the reins. For a second I thought I saw that look again, the one he gave me last night where I felt like I was sitting there naked. But then he was off, riding back along with the other man who had finished talking with the guide. You know him? My sister asked incredulously as we watched them ride away down the mountain. People were still looking at me, but I didn't really notice. It took me a while to even register that Lucy was talking. I was in such a daze. Snapping back to reality, I placed my hat on my head and turned to my sister. Ah, well, we met briefly last night. June Waterman introduced him to Mom and Luke and I. Oh, and I also hid by the barn like a creepy stalker and watched him frolicking on a horse with his shirt off for a good twenty minutes. Well, he's really, really handsome, Lucy whispered, giggling. Yeah, I suppose he's pretty decent looking, I said nonchalantly, laughing inside my head as it came out. To say the man was decent looking was like saying fire was a little warmed out. I was thrilled at the way he called me. California, 
signifying that he had at least taken enough notice last night to remember where we were from, though perhaps it just meant that he didn't remember my name. I wondered how old he was. He was younger, definitely no older than his late twenties, but still I knew my parents would consider him too old for me, not that they had any jurisdiction over who I dated anymore. Why did I think of dating? We were only going to be here for two weeks, and if something developed with Trip, it could be no more than a summer fling. It was only the morning of our first full day there, but already this little family vacation was proving to completely undo me. He scared me because of the way he made me feel when I was around him. I didn't have control over myself, something I never experienced before. I always prided myself on being a very collected, intelligent person. Hell, I could be downright witty at times, but all that flew out the window with the simple thought of that fierce, gorgeous cow. The rest of the trail ride was uneventful. After my encounter with Trip, it went by pretty quickly, probably because I was daydreaming through it. Before I knew it, we were back down the mountain and dismounting from our horses so the ranch hands could lead them back into the corral that I spent a good part of that afternoon in the lodge playing pool with Lucy and Luke in a smaller rec room above the main floor, trying to relax and enjoy myself. It was difficult because my mind kept wandering back to Trip and how completely mortified I was at almost falling off my horse earlier. Later, I decided to go back to the cabin where I lay reading until I fell asleep. My parents woke me up around six when it was time to go to dinner. We all walked over to the picnic area outside one of the barns where tables were set up and people were eating barbecue. The lodge was also full of people heading in to eat and start dancing. Are we going back to the lodge tonight for more dancing and stuff? I asked my parents as we sat there, stuffing our faces with what I found were some of the best ribs I'd ever eaten. My mom looked up at me with surprise. I was supposed to be the one who was reluctant to join in any of the festivities of our vacation. Sure we are. We can go right after dinner if you want. She said smiling. I in truth, the idea of spending time in the noisy, crowded hall held no appeal for me whatsoever, unless a certain cowboy was there for me to feast my eyes upon. Come on, Kira, I want to dance. My brother gave me one of his impish grins. I laughed. Luke, you know I've never been much of a dancer. Suit yourself. He shrugged as he turned and grabbed Lucy to spin her onto the floor. I watched as couples twirled around to the beat of the music that was being played through mounted speakers. Unlike last night, there was no live band in the corner. So you don't dance, you don't ride horses. What is it that you do, California? Startled, I jumped as the voice spoke right behind me. I recognized the sexy southern drawl immediately, and my heart started racing. He must have been near. How hadn't I noticed him? I had been on the lookout ever since we first walked in. As he came to stand beside me, I turned to look at him, trying to calm myself. He was wearing a navy blue dress shirt tucked into his jeans, and a black Stetson that matched his dark hair. It was happening again. His nearness was turning my brains into mush. You scared me. I stammered out, averting my eyes to the dance floor and trying not to stare, as he was doing. Perhaps I might be able to talk to him if I didn't look, although that might be rude. I'm sorry, he said softly in an amused voice, almost whispering. His eyes weren't leaving me, and I swear I could physically feel his gaze. I turned to look at him again, not knowing what to say. He was unbelievably sexy, standing there with one hand in the pocket of his jeans and the other holding a beer. I had to cock my head upward to look at him, as he was so tall. It was difficult to utter sound, let alone form words. This had the potential to turn into the most awkward conversation of my life. Perhaps you'd let me make it up to you by buying you a drink. His confidence made me even more embarrassed at my obvious nervousness. 
Then I realized that he had come over and actually initiated conversation. Could he be even slightly interested? Maybe I was crazy, but that last bit had definitely sounded like a pickup line. Well, um, I'm not exactly twenty-one yet. Oh God, why had I said that? He raised an eyebrow, a smile forming in the corners of his mouth. And just how old are you, California? He took a long sip from his beer. Old enough to know that I want you to fuck my brains out. My inner monologue didn't have any problem expressing itself. Twenty, well, I'll be twenty, next month, nineteen, good God, you're still a baby. He was smiling now. I think it was the teasing that snapped me out of my extreme nervousness and gave me a little self-assurance. I was standing there with every sexual fantasy in the book running through my head, and he called me a child. I turned to look at him once more. Nineteen is not that young, Mr. Carson. I scolded lightly. Mr. Carson? He laughed now. Well, if that don't beat all. I suppose it's appropriate, though, since I am your elder. What you are is someone who is starting to get on my nerves. My frustration was playful. Well, in that case, I think you should call me Trip. He was still smiling. Are you this personable with all the guests here? No, ma'am, just the ones who won't dance, can't drink, and don't know how to ride a horse. I tried to resist the urge to laugh. His teasing had a natural way of making me feel carefree. Before I could respond, the man who had ridden with Trip earlier that day came up to us. He looked concerned. Trip, Johnny needs you in the barn. He's having an awful time getting the foal to settle down. I looked to Trip, who was sighing, his cheery nature quickly disappearing. Reluctantly, it seemed, he put his beard down on the bar and turned to me. Sorry, California, I gotta run. He tipped his hat, gave a small smile, and with that, he quickly walked out the door of the lodge. Standing there by myself, I took a moment to run through my mind what had just happened. I smiled, recalling the easy way he spoke to me. Suddenly becoming warm remembering the way he looked as he stood next to me, I decided to go stand out on the porch. Maybe I would call it a night and head back to the cabin. With Trip gone, I wasn't going to have any fun sitting in the lodge, avoiding the dance floor. The night air was cool as I stepped outside, and I shivered slightly in my jean shorts and short-sleeved shirt that I changed into earlier that day when it had been hot. I looked toward the corral where Trip had been training the horse yesterday. It was empty now, and completely dark. Yet my eyes were drawn to the barn on the side, where I had stood only about twenty-four hours ago, hiding. There was light coming from the inside and one of the doors was open.ny curiosity got the better of me. I knew Trip was in there, and I just wanted a quick peek. No one would see me, I reassured myself as I began to walk over. I wondered what had made Trip seem so uneasy, and I had a feeling it had to do with the reason I had seen him on the trail that day. As I approached the barn, I heard a few voices talking quietly on the inside. I'm not gonna lie, Trip, it's pretty bad came the voice of what sounded like an older man. I walked up behind one of the closed doors and peered in, hoping no one was looking at the entrance to the barn. Trip was kneeling on the ground next to an animal stall that was open, his sleeves rolled up. I couldn't see very well, but it looked like he was rubbing something. Concern was written all over his handsome face. The other two men in the barn, the older one who had just spoken, and the one who I had seen on the trail earlier that day who had fetched Trip at the lodge, stood up on the inside of the stable. All the men were looking down at something on the ground. The older one began to talk again. Have you considered that maybe the best thing is just to, yes. Tripp's voice was hard and curt. We'll wait a while to see how it goes, though. Just do all you can for now, Johnny. The men talked for a few more minutes before Johnny and the other man walked out to leave. 
I immediately got scared since I was standing by the main door, but then I was relieved to see that they were going out the back way. Tripp stayed behind, and I continued to watch him, but then he stood and turned toward the front door where half of my head was in view. Quickly I snapped back behind the closed door, where he couldn't see me. I knew it was no use though, I was sure he had seen me. My fears were confirmed when he walked outside and stood next to me. Instead of looking at me as he had in the lodge, he looked out toward the ranch. Do you always eavesdrop where you're not supposed to? He didn't sound angry, just curious. I'm sorry, I was just walking back to my cabin, and I saw the lights on. What had prompted me to come out here? I should have realized the decision would put me in this situation. At least the other men had left. However, now I was left alone in the dark with Trip, and I felt more exposed and vulnerable to his power over me, more so than I had in the lodge with people swarming around us that I couldn't lie to myself. It was he who prompted me to walk over to the barn. I wasn't satisfied with our brief encounter, and I wanted more. Never before had someone had this kind of control over my actions. Fearing that I was obvious, I tried to make it seem like I was merely curious about the problem in the stables. That thing in the barn, is that why you rode up the mountain trail today? Was there a problem with the cattle herd? He turned to look at me now, his face solemn before he gave a small smile. I didn't realize you'd taken such an interest in our ranch after only one short day here. He glanced back into the barn quickly and his smile faded. Then before I realized what he was doing he took my hand and led me inside. Come on, I'll show you. His grip was strong, but not forceful. I remembered his hands yesterday, as they tightly held the reins of the wild horse. They were powerful, and one of them was now holding part of me. His fingers were clasped firmly, and if they hadn't been, I was sure my hand would be shaking. I tried not to lose myself. He led me over to the stall where the men had gathered just minutes ago. It was then that I completely forgot about Trip touching me for the first time. A young foe lay in a bed of hay. It was almost completely brown, but had a large white spot on its head then ran down between the eyes. From the position it was in, I thought it might be sleeping, but then I saw the sad, hurt look it gave me. I noticed its leg was outstretched, wrapped in bandages, and my heart broke. She was out running with us in the fields today and got her leg caught in a snake hole. We got it out, but the leg was broken. Earlier when I saw you up on the trail, we were looking for Johnny, who's the animal doctor here. Tripp's voice was pained, and I could tell he cared about the young horse. Will she be all right? I was having trouble controlling my voice. It wounded me to see the animal like this. She looked so helpless. The problem is at this early age, she really needs to be able to run and exercise her legs so they can develop properly. Her leg's in pretty bad shape, and we don't know if she'll ever be able to walk right again. Johnny thinks we should just put her out of her misery right now, before she suffers anymore. At this, Tripp paused for a moment. I just can't do it. I have to give her a shot, he said quietly, almost whispering that a tear slowly descended along my cheek. Tripp turned to me with sadness in his beautiful green eyes, which normally held an air of confidence. He looked at me, not as he had before at the lodge where I felt as if he was trying to undress me with his eyes, but this time with an empathetic look of genuine concern. I had only known the man one day, but in that moment, we both shared an understanding that many people never experienced together. I looked down at the floor of the barn, trying to hide my sadness by focusing on the scattered hay and animal feed beneath my sandaled feet. My pink toenails didn't go with the farm scenery at all. As I tried to collect myself, a rough thumb came to my cheek and lightly brushed away a tear. His hand cupped my chin, bringing my head up so that my eyes met his. 
He was no longer cocky or teasing, but gentle, and his eyes held a look of wonder in them. You're full of surprises, California, he said softly. His pet name for me was endearing at this point, and rolled off his tongue in perfect southern timbre. Come on, I'll walk you to your cabin. I smiled lightly with great effort and nodded my head. Giving one last look back at the stall where the little filly rested, I struggled to shake the wave of depression that was overtaking me. Trip is standing next to you, he's walking you to the cabin, focus on him. I tried to tell myself that it was easier when he started talking to me as we walked across the ranch to the area where the guest cabin stood. So, nineteen, huh? That teasing tone was creeping back into his voice. Lovely. He was going to start in on my age again. I'll be twenty next month. I said dryly dot he chuckled. Yeah, I believe you mentioned that. So are you in school? I just finished my first year at the university. So you're one of those college girls who spends her summers trotting off to lovely western establishments such as this one. He joked. I was invited to go to Paris with some friends this summer, but I was kind of guilt-tripped into coming here with my family instead. Paris? He snorted. Don't worry, you made the right choice. The Waterman Ranch is greater than any site you could see in Paris. Greater than the Louvre? Yes. He smiled. What about Notre Dame? You bet. Or the Eiffel Tower? Oui, mademoiselle. The French was comical with his southern accent. I'm sorry, but I failed to see how a bunch of dirt and horses live up to all of those things. Careful, California, before I take offense. That's my ranch you're talking about. He said it jokingly, pretending to be insulted. I happen to like dirt and horses. I laughed along with him. I thought the ranch belonged to Jack and June Waterman. Well, it does, but they made me a partner after I graduated college. I don't ever see myself anywhere else. Ever since the Watermans took me in, I've grown accustomed to life outside the city. This place has been my home for a long time. You went to college? I regretted asking that like I was surprised. Who did I think he was? Some gorgeous dumb hick who just liked to ride horses? He smiled though. University of Texas. Jack made me go after high school, said I had too much potential not to go to college. I did well, got a business degree, but my heart was here the whole time. Came back every summer, not wanting to leave again. I stuck it out though. I nodded, trying to understand how a person could stand living in a place like this, completely removed from civilization. I love school, I want to get a finance degree and go into accounting. Accounting? He turned and looked at me as we walked. I can't picture you sitting behind a desk number crunching all day, California. I happen to like number crunching, and I've always been good at math. Nope. Can't see it. He teased me mercilessly. Well, what can you see me doing? I asked, trying to sound playfully annoyed. Not riding horses, that's for damn sure. I didn't have to look at him to tell that he was grinning. How someone almost gets thrown off one of those trail ponies, I have no idea. But you managed it. It wasn't my fault. I was just sitting there. It was the horse. The thing was jumpy since I first sat down on it. I giggled lightly, remembering the scene from earlier that day. Horses can sense fear. Remember that. He was smiling. Now I wouldn't want you to miss out on the complete Waterman Ranch experience. And after what I saw today, I'm not sure if you can handle riding on your own yet. So I think I should take you out sometime and show you how to do it properly. As he said it, an image flashed through my mind, but in my head... It wasn't a horse I was riding. Heat rushed through me, and I swore he read my thoughts. Perhaps I could teach you a thing or two. His voice became less playful and more sultry as he flashed a wicked smile. 
About horses, that is. My heart was beating fast as we walked up to the cabin, and I glanced up at his face as we stopped, which was partially shadowed by the moonlight. My voice was just above a whisper. I'm sure you could. I wanted to grab his shirt collar and drag him into the cabin with me. God, if only he would kiss me. I'd have given my right arm in that moment to just have him lean down, but he didn't. Good night, California. And with another one of those glorious smiles of his, he turned to walk back to the stables that I walked into the cabin, careful not to make noise since my parents had turned in early and were probably sleeping. Luke and Lucy were still at the lodge, and when I walked into the bedroom, I quickly went over to the window and pushed the curtain aside. It was dark, but I could see Tripp's outline becoming enveloped in the night. I watched him until he was no longer visible. After closing the curtain, I threw my body on the bed, groaning. What a stud, I thought to myself. What would he taste like, feel like? I wondered how he would make love. If he had even a fraction of the skill in bed as he had training horses, he would be no less than mind-blowing. Not that I had any true experience to judge him against that 1819. I was one of the last of my friends who still clung to her virginity. Actually, I wasn't clinging to it. I just hadn't met the right person yet. Sure, I'd had boyfriends, and I wasn't completely inexperienced, but there was never anyone who I could confidently say I wanted to do it with. I didn't care how old I would be when I finally took the plunge, but I knew it would be with someone who I deeply cared about and had a shot at a meaningful relationship with. That was not Trip Carson. The realization of it made me ache inside. Never had I felt such an intense longing and desire for someone before. I indulged myself, fantasizing about him, but I scolded myself for wondering if I would actually indulge if I had the chance to in the real world. What could come of a relationship with him? I was going back to California in two weeks, and I was not the kind of girl to give myself to someone who could be nothing more than a brief bout of summer fun. Even if he did find me attractive, which I was starting to think he might, what did that attraction mean? He probably hit on all of the girls who came through the ranch, and thought of me solely as a little nineteen-year-old piece of ASS.AS I thought it. The voice inside my head told me I was wrong. Trip wasn't like that. After seeing him in the barn today, I knew he was caring and gentle, and although he acted tough and cocky, I didn't think he had the capacity to hurt others. Something about him made me trust him, and I barely even knew the man. I remembered how he looked at the hurtful, with pain in his eyes that matched my own. No, he wasn't a womanizing sleazeball. He had said he wanted to take me riding. With that thought, I squealed like a little girl at Christmas time as I got up and pulled a nightgown out of the dresser. There I was, fantasizing again. Taking off my jean shorts and shirt, I went and stood in front of the large mirror that hung on the back of the door. I carefully looked at the girl standing before me. Would Trip find her attractive? Slowly, I unhooked my bra and tossed it over to my bed. I had a pretty nice figure, I decided. My breasts weren't gigantic, but they were pretty big on my frame, sitting high above my tampered waist. My wavy blonde hair was long enough so that it came down to just above my pink nipples. I wasn't short, although standing next to Trip, I certainly looked it. As I turned around slowly, I thought that my butt might be a little flatter than desired, but in general, it wasn't half bad. Although I might be thought of as pretty, I couldn't help but think of how I paled in comparison to that glorious man who I'd watched last night, riding a bucking horse in the moonlight. Quickly, I donned my nightgown and climbed into bed. Before closing my eyes, I peeked out the window one last time, and smiled as I saw a light coming from the barn in the distance. Even though my heart ached for the injured horse that lay in the building, I felt better knowing Trip was there with it. Chapter 03 
Kira? I jerked my head around and turned to my mother who had just said my name for the second time. Are you all right, honey? You seem distracted. Of course I was distracted. That morning I had woken up late from what I considered a pretty restless sleep, only to find a small note stuck to the outside of the window corner. After seeing it, and immediately closing the curtain because Lucy was in the room, I waited until I was alone to slightly draw back the material and read the small scribble. California, meet me in the barn at two. There was no signature, but it was obvious who had written it. The nerve of him. What if someone else had opened the window? How did he even know which window I slept by? Quickly, I walked outside to unstick the note, making some ridiculous explanation to my family about wanting to smell the fresh air. After making sure no one was around, I slipped the small piece of paper into my bathrobe pocket before heading back inside. Back in the room where I was supposedly changing and getting ready to head to breakfast, I opened the paper to once again read what it said, confirming to myself the message hadn't changed in the two minutes since I had last seen it. My stomach began fluttering. I knew I shouldn't go, but the appeal of being with him was too much to turn away. Now, as I moved my eggs around my plate, completely distracted from my family who were chatting away, I kept glancing toward the barn where I was to meet Trip later. The notes sat snugly in the pocket of my jean shorts. My mother had noticed my disengagement. Yeah, sorry, I guess I'm just not fully awake yet. I tried to sound as if I was tired. Well, wake up and eat your breakfast, Luke said in bossy type of tone. We're all going on that family hike up the mountain range in a few hours. Everyone at the ranch is supposed to be doing it. It's going to be fun. I was really starting to feel as though I was going to be the party pooper of this vacation. A hike up the mountain? I asked with hesitation written all over my face. Great. Now I had to make up some excuse to my family about why I couldn't go with them and the other guests to play Explorer. Yeah, I think all the guests are meeting at the bottom of the trail around 1.30. My dad piped in after swallowing a mouthful of bacon. My whole family was looking at me at this point, as if daring me to try and get out of it. Guys, I don't think I'm up for a long hike today. I haven't been feeling very well. Luke rolled his eyes at that one. Seems you haven't been up for anything so far this trip. And where have you been off to these last couple of nights? We keep missing you at the lodge. I was starting to get annoyed. Sometimes Luke forgot that I wasn't twelve years old anymore. Last night I went back to the cabin. I was tired, and you know I'm not a fan of the noisy, dancing atmosphere in the evenings. Luke looked at me for a moment before focusing back on his breakfast and nonchalantly yet bitterly adding. I saw you talking to that cowboy last night, the ranch hand. What's his? Trip. I corrected him scolding myself for doing it so quickly and potentially giving myself away. Luke was staring at me now, as was the rest of my family. My parents seemed merely curious, but Luke was giving me a questionable stare, as if asking me through his eyes what was going on. Yeah, him, he said slowly after pausing a moment. Lucy broke the awkwardness by making matters worse. Is he that super gorgeous one we saw on the trail yesterday? The question was directed towards me. Yes, I sighed. This was not a conversation I wanted to be having. So you think he's gorgeous? Luke asked accusingly. No. I almost yelled, extremely frustrated. Lucy obviously thinks he's gorgeous. I barely know him. He's the one I met on our first night here, right? The one June Waterman introduced us to? My mom asked. Well, he seemed like a lovely young man. He's too old for her, mom. Luke seemed almost as frustrated as I was. Lucy jumped back in. Wait, Kira has a thing with him? A thing? What does that mean? Is this something I should know about? 
this coming from my father. I snapped. No one has a thing with anyone. I got up from the table at that point and started to walk out of the picnic area, back toward the cabin. Sometimes I swore I had a dysfunctional family. I think she definitely has a thing. I heard Lucy whisper before I was out of earshot. My family came to check on me before they all left for the hike, asking once more if I was sure I didn't want to come. I assured them that I wasn't feeling well, and mentioned something about simply taking a long nap that afternoon. They were gone now, and it was time that I headed over to the barn. I sincerely questioned myself for ditching time with my family for time with a guy that I barely knew anything about. Perhaps that's why I wanted to see him, because I was hungry to know him more. As I walked across the ranch, I noticed it was pretty empty. It seemed a lot of people really had gone on the hiking trip today, and I wondered if that was why Tripp had asked me to meet him at this time. The barn door was slightly ajar. Trying to calm my nerves as I quickly ran my hands through my hair one last time, I opened it up and poked my head in. Tripp was there already, in the same place he was last night, kneeling on the ground while tending to the hurt filly in the little stall. He had on a t-shirt and jeans, which fit him impeccably, and his dark hair was tousled in a sexy, natural way that most men tried to achieve through styling. He looked rugged, especially with the five o'clock shadow he sported. Glancing up as I walked over, he gave me a small smile that seemed to only bring out the sadness in his eyes even more. When I saw what he was doing I gave a tiny gasp that seemed to be a mix of surprise and horror. Tripp was changing the bandages on the foal's leg, and for a moment, I saw the extent of the gruesome injury. Don't look, he said softly, seeing my obvious distress that I turned my back to the sight, trying to gain a little bit of composure. It's horrible, I whispered. Maybe I shouldn't have come here today. Not if I had to be reminded of this. I had always been an animal lover, and it was almost too much to bear. Yes, but she's strong. She may have a chance. I listened to the rustling of bandages and the soft voice behind me. What's her name? I asked curiously. She doesn't have one yet, I haven't given her one. She's yours then? A lot of these horses are mine. Jack trusts me more than anyone else with them. I'm in charge of all the livestock here at the ranch. Jack and June are more business people and general overseers. They leave the fun stuff to me. You really know a lot about horses, don't you? Been around them my whole life. Growing up in Texas, my folks had a small spread. I was always kind of a wild child, and my parents let me take out all my energy by riding. Always had a knack for it. I'm sorry about your parents. I don't know what prompted me to say it. I didn't want to bring up bad memories but my heart went out to the man who had been through so much after losing his family. Don't be, California, he said softly. It happened a long time ago, and the Watermans had been close family friends for a while. They gave me a great home when they took me in. They brought me here, and I couldn't think of a better place to be. At that moment I heard him start to stand figuring it was safe to turn around. I slowly spun and was greeted with Tripp's broad chest all of three inches away from my nose. He was quick to come and stand right behind me once he was done wrapping up the bandages. Startled, I took a couple steps back and craned my neck to look up at him, as he was almost a foot taller than me. He looked down at me with an amused, devilish smile across his face, and his close proximity started to have an effect on my ability to think coherently. Before I knew what was happening, he grabbed my hand and started leading me toward the other end of the barn. Come on, follow me. As if I had a choice, I thought, as he firmly dragged me along. You're gonna learn to ride today, California. Great, just what I wanted. To further prove to Trip how incapable I was at this particular task, we walked past stall after stall, 
some containing horses, some empty. I had seen that many of the horses were already out in the corral. When we were almost at the back door of the barn, I stopped, catching Tripp's attention. One of the last stalls held the black steed that Tripp had ridden a couple of nights ago. It looked bigger standing only a few feet away in its captivity. Although it wasn't restless as it was the last time I'd seen it, it certainly looked wild as its nostrils flared while its great yellow eyes watched us. Trip stopped when I did, jolting my arm a little, and turned to see what had captured my attention. He smiled when he saw what I was looking at. That's Poodle, he said with a smirk that I tried as hard as I could not to laugh. I really did. Poodle? I choked out. The thing was majestic and downright terrifying. In my opinion, it was the Darth Vader of all horses, and Trip had named it Poodle. Yep, he's a Mustang. I've been training him for about a month now. He's still pretty crazy, but I'm really starting to make some progress. I wanted a challenge, and I certainly got that with him. But Poodle? Don't you think he's more of a shadow beast or something? The horse was the farthest thing from a poodle that I had ever seen. Trip laughed. The first night I started with him in the corral, he was really giving me hell. I had to practically hold on for dear life, and for me, that's saying something. I told him to behave or else I'd call him some god-awful name just to spite him. He's still taking it out on me, although I've grown to sort of like the name. The horse was staring at Trip, and I swear, it almost looked as if it could understand him, as if it knew Trip was teasing it. In general, the thing just looked downright pissed off. He looks angry, like he wants to charge at you. He's gonna be like a sweet little puppy once I get through taming him, Trip said with a big grin across his face. The horse's nostrils flared even more. Must be a lot of hard work, though. Nah. He shook his head. Training wild horses is what I do. I enjoy it. He paused and turned to look at me, a devilish gleam in his eye. Now training you on the other hand, I've got my work cut out for me there, though I dare say I'll enjoy it far more than what I do with the horses. Somehow, I got the feeling that he wasn't talking about teaching me to ride a horse. My face turned bright red which seemed only to make him smile even more. I hadn't realized it, but he was still holding my hand. Embarrassed, I looked down and took it back when I saw he had kept hold of me throughout the time we stood there. He chuckled lightly. Come on, California. And with that, he headed out of the barn into the corral area, grabbing a cowboy hat that hung on a peg on the way out the door. There was a saddle brown mare all ready to go. It reminded me a little bit of the horse I'd ridden on the trail the other day. I began to get nervous. Of course I knew I'd be safe riding since I had tripped there with me, but I didn't want him to see how inept I was at this kind of thing, although I assumed he already had a pretty good idea. Tripp took the reins and led the horse out of the corral and onto the main ranch spread. Stand here, he said matter-of-factly as he stood on the left side of the saddle. I walked over and stood next to him. Always hold the reins when you mount, and don't grab the saddle cause it will slide. He handed the reins to me while placing my hand on the part of the horse he called the wither which I grabbed onto. I lifted my foot into the stirrup. It took me a couple tries to swing my leg around to the other side since the horse was pretty tall. Trip watched me patiently, seeming amused. I wished I'd worn pants instead of jean shorts, even if it was hot. The shorts rode up my legs as I sat astride with one leg on each side of the saddle. I glanced down at Trip, who now had a fiery look in his eyes, and seemed like he was trying not to stare at my backside. He stood slightly behind me, and I realized he probably had a great view of my ass. Good. He said softly as his eyes swept over me before he gave a small shake of his head and seemed to return to reality. I blushed with embarrassment, 
but I don't think he noticed. Now make sure you have a nice grip on the reins, he said. The next thing I knew, his foot barely touched the stirrup and he easily swung his leg over behind my back, firmly planting himself behind me in the saddle. You're, you're riding with me? Oh God, he was practically pressed against my back. Best way to learn. There's not a problem, is there? I could sense the amusement in his voice, which had grown softer because of our close proximity. I didn't trust my voice just then, so I simply shook my head. Good. He practically whispered now. Suddenly, he leaned forward to put his hands around mine above the reins. His hard chest pressed against me, and I felt his chin lean above my right shoulder as he softly gave instructions into my ear. Now squeeze your legs, California. I wasn't going to be able to do this. There was no way I was going to be able to do this. The way he said it was intimate, not at all like the way someone would normally instruct a person to ride a horse. He surrounded me, and while there was a very safe feeling about it, there was a very unsafe feeling about it as well. Once again, I felt myself losing control of my senses that I did squeeze my legs into the horse, but it wasn't necessarily because he told me to. It was more of a reaction to his sensual voice, trying to create pressure so as to alleviate the sudden throbbing between my legs. As I dug into the sides of the mare, we immediately were off in a steady trot. He showed me how to use the reins, and I was surprised I took in any of it. The strong hands and arms that I had indulged in watching tame a wild Mustang were now covering mine, though I dare say they were much more gentle now than they had been the other night. His skin pressed against me and gave me goosebumps in the ninety-degree weather, and I found it increasingly difficult to keep focused. I tried not to let my mind wander off into fantasies of those hands undressing me and touching every inch of my naked body. The grinding of the saddle against my crotch to the steady rhythm of the horse wasn't helping matters though. Relax, California, just let it come naturally. A hint of amusement still graced his voice, only now it sounded as if it was mixed with arousal. I couldn't tell if he was talking about the horse or the tension between the two of us. I wanted to let it come naturally, but if I did... I had a feeling we wouldn't be on the mount for very much longer. I tried to focus on where we were going. We had headed in the opposite direction of the mountain trails where everyone was hiking. A cluster of buildings were coming into view. As we got closer I realized that they looked a lot like the guest cabins. Trip relieved my curiosity, as if he read my mind. They're staff cabins, where a lot of the ranch hands stay. There are also a couple of smaller barns out here that we use for storage and such. Is this where you live? Nah, I have a cabin that's a ways down, closer to the other side of the ranch. This place can get pretty rowdy late at night, and while it used to be my scene, I'd prefer the quiet now after a hard day at work. Sure brings back memories, though. He chuckled. When I was growing up, I used to sneak out here at night, and Romero and the other hands would teach me how to play poker. I smiled, picturing Trip as a hot-headed teenager. Who's Romero? I asked curiously. Good friend of mine. He's the one you saw yesterday on the trail, the one who rode with me up the mountain. I nodded, remembering the man in the red shirt. The one who came into the lodge last night? Yep. He was always kind of an older brother figure to me. Jack and June think he was a bad influence, though. He laughed. What's down this way? I asked as we passed the staff cabins. There's a great riding area that I want to show you. We often take some of the horses down here and race them from time to time. Is it safe to say that you always win? He laughed. Yeah, I used to back when I did it. People won't even bother challenging me anymore. At that moment, he removed his hands from mine. I think you're ready now to do it on your own. Just keep a firm grip, 
and try to use your legs like I showed you when you want to change direction. Head that way. He pointed off past the cluster of cabins that we were leaving behind. I had to admit, I was actually starting to get the hang of riding, although it really helped to have Trip behind me, telling me exactly what to do. Beyond the cabins was an open dusty field that stretched farther than I could see. Back at the ranch, the houses and barns filled a lot of space, so there wasn't a lot of room to ride, except for in some of the larger corrals. Here, there was nothing but room. We'd been going at a leisurely pace, and it would have been relaxing if I hadn't been so tense with Trip on the horse with me. Ready for some fun? Trip asked in a voice that let me know what was coming. Before I could answer, he dug his legs into the side of the horse, and we took off. I let out a yelp as he grabbed the reins from me with one hand while his other arm snaked around my midsection, keeping me from flying off. Trip! I yelled. Do you think this is the kind of thing a beginner should be doing? Don't worry, California, I've got you, he said loudly. His arm held me so tightly that he was molding himself into my back. I was amazed when I saw that he was controlling the horse with one hand. I firmly gripped the saddle horn as we flew across the field. After about a minute, I decided that I was having fun. I had never felt anything so exhilarating or thrilling. We rode like that for about ten minutes, in circles through the fields before ultimately heading toward a group of trees in the distance. We're making a full circle back the ranch. If you head this way, you'll meet up with a creek that leads right behind the guest cabins, he said as a small building came into view. I'll show you. The creek ran between a few sparse trees, and we slowed and started to follow it down toward the direction of the ranch. A solitary cabin, about the same size as the one my family was staying in, sat a few hundred feet away from the water, but it was in the opposite direction of where we were heading. Trip, what's that cabin back there? I turned to look at the cabin and saw that Trip was smiling behind me. That's my place, has its own little barn in the back and everything. That's where you stay. Yep. Built it myself a few years ago after I came back from college. It certainly was in a lovely area, and it was much more secluded from the rest of the ranch, which according to Trip, was just a ways down the creek. I was surprised that it only took about a minute of riding at a brisk trot to reach the back of the guest cabins. So that's what's behind the cabins. I thought they were on the edge of the ranch. I said while glancing back at the creek. The ranch has a lot of land, but the cabins and main barns and such are all conveniently close to each other. You can follow that creek a long ways past my cabin and still be on Waterman land. We rode back to the corral. Trip hopped down first. I had to admit that I had enjoyed feeling him so close, and after riding with him for an hour, the lack of his presence next to me was uncomforting. Instead of letting me get down off the horse myself, he effortlessly lifted me onto the ground after I swung my leg around. I'm sorry if you were looking forward to that hike everyone was going on today. He spoke to me as he led the horse into the stables. I think I had more fun with you, I said shyly. I was embarrassed after I said it, but Tripp turned to look at me with a big grin on his face. Is your family wondering where you are? I told them that I didn't feel well. They think I'm at the cabin, sleeping. I realized how much I was revealing, that I had lied to my family and ditched them in order to spend time with him. The way he was looking at me as we walked unnerved me, and I got the feeling that he was starting to understand how I felt about him. I was making myself vulnerable, and I didn't like IT.I in the barn. Trip calmly unhooked the saddle before grabbing a brush to run over the horse. I stood against the wall of an empty stall and watched his hands work. Tell me about California, about where you live. I smiled. What's there to tell? It's sunny with lots of palm trees. Have you always lived there? His voice was quiet and relaxed, 
as if he liked simply listening to me talk. Every now and then he glanced over at me. Yeah, born and raised there, although my family does like to travel a lot, so I've seen many different places. I considered going to school on the East Coast like my brother did, but I didn't want to be so far away. You're close with your family. It wasn't a question, more of a knowing statement. Yes, they're wonderful, even if they drive me crazy sometimes. I chuckled as he gave me an understanding smile that he paused before asking the next question. Are you close with anyone else? His smile faltered as he grew more serious. He led the horse into its stall, closed the door, and then turned to stare at me while leaning against the wooden gate. Was he asking what I thought he was asking? He stood there dissecting me with his arms crossed. I decided to take the question on its face. Well, sure, I've got some good friends at school with me, and my best friend, Holly, has lived down the street from my house since we were six. Is there someone special? He was completely serious now, and he started slowly walking towards me, one step at a time. The same look he had in his eyes the first time we met was there now. I felt naked, and vulnerable, and alive. Someone special? The volume of my voice suddenly decreased to just above a whisper. I became alarmed as he walked toward me, and I tried stepping backwards even though the stall door was there. It was unlatched and swung open as my back pressed against it. He didn't stop, and slowly followed me into the empty stable, like a lion stalking its prey. You know, a guy? His voice was even lower than mine. I swear, my heart had never beaten so fast in my entire life. My chest felt as if it would explode at any moment. At that point, I doubted if I could speak. No. I whispered as I shook my head while continuing to walk backwards. He didn't smile, but the fire in his eyes seemed to burn more intensely. Suddenly I hit the wall in the back of the stall. The gate had closed behind him while he continued towards me. I was trapped, and I knew that something, both terrifying and amazing, was about to happen. Should I try to stop it? What are you doing? I tried to steady my whisper, but it was broken as he closed in on me. A strong, masculine hand wove its way through a strand of hair that partially covered my face and tucked it behind my ear before he placed his hands against the wall on either side of my head. He leaned down and gazed directly into my eyes before whispering in my ear, his deep voice soft and seductive. I'm gonna kiss you now, California. Before I could respond, his lips covered mine, softly at first, but then more harshly as he drew me to him, his hands cupping my face. He tasted me, no, devoured me with fervor, slipping his tongue between my parted lips and gently drawing the upper one into his mouth. He kissed me with an expertness that made his horsemanship seem amateur. My legs buckled and instead of catching me, he came down with me, and soon we were both on our knees and in each other's arms. Without thinking, my hands guided themselves through his tousled, dark hair before making a descent down his neck, shoulders, and then finally resting upon his chest. My tongue met his with equal ardor, and before long, you would never be able to guess who had initiated the passion. We consumed each other, and nothing in my life had ever felt so perfect. Part of me, though, was terrified at what was happening, and that part of me is what took over for one moment and stopped him. I gripped his face and agonizingly tore my mouth from his. He opened his eyes, one hand firmly wrapped around my back while the other grasped my bare leg, just underneath the edge of my jean shorts. I had only this moment before I would be completely consumed with my need for him, and then there would be no going back. How I had managed to pull away from him, I don't know, but I was glad that one part of my mind still realized the intense desire I felt for him would only bring me heartache in the end if I let it continue. If I was in this much agony after a day of riding and a passionate kiss, 
then it would be torture to be his completely for a short while, only to have to leave and return to my life a thousand miles away. Quickly I scooted back a few feet, still on the ground, running my hands through my hair and already missing his mouth. Both of us were breathing hard, but he didn't move after I pulled away. He sat there frozen, with a look of pure wonder in his eyes, as if he was asking himself the same thing I was, what had just happened. That was no ordinary kiss that we continued to stare at each other, breathing heavily and struggling not to continue what had just passed. I should never have come today. I should have known that it would be this wonderful with him. The man was dangerous in a way that threatened to destroy me. Trip. My voice reflected the inner hell I was going through. I, I can't. With a billion screaming thoughts running through my mind, I quickly stood up and ran out of the stall, heading towards the door of the barn. At that point, I had to distance myself from him. I had to escape. I was just about to get to the door when his voice called to me. Kira. It was the first time I'd heard him say my name, and a wave of emotion rushed through me as I turned around. He stood about ten feet away with a look of desperate need, yet firm conviction in his eyes. That conviction pulsed through his voice, which then spoke the words that would haunt me for the next twenty-four hours. Before you leave this ranch, I'm going to make love to you. And not just because I want it, but because if I don't, either of us will ever forgive ourselves. Part of me rejoiced, and part of me died. And then I ran. Chapter 04 the excuse I had used yesterday about being ill proved to be useful today, although I doubted I even needed an excuse to lie in bed as I had been doing since I returned from my afternoon with Trip. I was a train wreck, and everyone could see it. Are you sure there's nothing I can get for you? My mom asked in that sweet, caring voice mothers use when their children are sick. Yes, I just want to lie here, I said, half groaning, wedged between my pillow and the covers of the bed. In all honesty, I would have been content lying there for the rest of my life. I never wanted to get out of bed again, especially while at this ranch, where I could run into trip or see him wherever I went. The only safe place I knew to stay was here in the cabin. I didn't even open the curtain to look outside, as I usually did in the morning. Looking at the ranch, where I had spent the day with him yesterday, would be too difficult. So while my family went out to eat and subsequently enjoy whatever activities they had planned for the day, I wallowed in my own misery and stayed in bed trying to think about something, anything, but that kiss in the barn. My mom came back to check on me every hour, and she brought me food throughout the day, which I only picked at, having almost completely lost my appetite. Later, Lucy stayed and played a few games of chess with me. My family thought I was still suffering from yesterday's pretend ailment, which consisted of a particularly gnarly headache. Today, I wasn't sure how pretend the headache was. I tried to distract myself by reading, knitting and periodically sleeping when I could. There wasn't a lot to do in a cabin with no computer, and no TV, other than think of Trip. Trip Carson. It was around six when my family left for dinner after a long day of God knows what. I knew I should have gone with them. I couldn't very well sit in this cabin for the rest of the trip, hiding under the covers, but I didn't want to see him yet. His words from yesterday reverberated in my head. I knew he had felt exactly what I had and I began to think that he may have been right. If I left this ranch at the end of next week without acting on whatever this was between us, I would have what-ifs for the rest of my life. What would be worse, being with him and then having to leave him, or leaving after never having been with him at all? Once I asked myself the question, I was surprised how easily the answer came. Suddenly I didn't just want to see him, I had to see him. I threw the quilt off of me and got out of bed, immediately beginning to pace as soon as my feet hit the floor.
Should I go out to the lodge tonight? Would he be there? Would I be able to talk to him alone? What would I say? I want you. I need you. How do I go about this? What about my family? They thought I was sick. They'd be watching my every move. I decided to take a shower while trying to collect the screaming thoughts whirling around in my head. Going to the lodge wouldn't be a good idea. There would be so many people there, and I didn't think I could handle the awkwardness in that kind of setting. Maybe it would be best to wait until tomorrow, when I could seek him out on the ranch. Perhaps then I could simply pull him aside. Yes, I would wait until tomorrow before confronting him. I didn't want to seem desperate anyway so wasn't it best to give it a couple of days and at least try and play hard to get? I wasn't cooling down, however. The more I thought of him, the more I wanted him. Tomorrow might as well have been a thousand years away. Later, I lay in bed as my family came home from the lodge. They all came in to check on me before getting ready to go to sleep, asking how I was feeling in their soft, tired voices that were laced with concern. I told them I was doing much better, which seemed to hearten them. If I was going to be going out tomorrow— then I needed them to believe I wasn't sick anymore. Trying to go to sleep, my eyes were closed as Lucy sat on her bed, brushing through her hair and chatting away. I drowned her out for the most part. Lucy, do you mind? I'm trying to get some rest, I said groggily. The quicker I forced myself into unconsciousness, the quicker tomorrow would come. Oh, sorry, I guess I should let you sleep. I'm pretty tired myself, she said as she started to get under the covers. Oh hey, I saw that cute guy at the lodge tonight. My ears perked up and suddenly I was hanging on to her every word. There was only one guy at this ranch that Lucy had deemed attractive. What guy? I asked, trying to sound sleepy and slightly annoyed, as though I didn't care. You know, the hot cowboy from the other day, Trip, right? Saw him for a few minutes while we were dancing and stuff. He came in looking really pissed off, like he was angry. My mind raced. I couldn't help but wonder where that anger stemmed from. So, what's the big deal? I asked, trying not to give away my interest. Well, he sat down at the bar and another guy came and sat down next to him. I wasn't watching the whole time cause I was busy talking to this other girl. Her name's Georgette, by the way, and she's from Georgia. Isn't that funny? Georgette from Georgia. She's 16, so she's my age. And she was telling me about how, Lucy, what does this have to do with Trip? Sometimes I wanted to strangle my sister. Oh, right. Well, the next thing I saw when I looked over was Trip had the guy by his collar slammed up against the bar, ready to knock the crap out of him. He would have too if Jack Waterman hadn't run over there when he saw it. Trip stormed out after Mr. Waterman broke it up. He must have been pretty upset about something. I said airily, telling it more to myself than to Lucy. Yeah, he looked like he was ready to tear into anyone who got in his way kind of like the way Luke was at first when Susan broke up with him. The image of my brother's angry grief floated into my mind. We couldn't go near him for two weeks after his college girlfriend had broken it off one summer. He would bite off our heads for simply talking to him. Was it our encounter yesterday that had Tripp so angry? The behavior seemed out of character for the carefree, teasing cowboy I had ridden with through the pastures of the ranch. Lucy chatted a bit more before falling asleep. I didn't hear anything she said as I lay there feeling as though I had been hit by a semi. Soon, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to rest. I needed to see Trip. I ached for him. After a half hour, when the room was filled with Lucy's soft snores, I had an idea, but it was risky. At that point, though, I didn't care, and I grabbed my cell phone off the nightstand and looked at the time. It was around ten, still pretty early. I didn't know if the rest of my family were asleep yet or not. 
I didn't even know if Trip would be home at this time. As angry as he'd been, he may have gone off somewhere and gotten drunk for all I knew. I didn't know though that I had to do something. I couldn't sit in this bed any longer, but it was extremely difficult trying to get up the courage to get dressed and walk out of the cabin. The realization came that it wasn't my family I was worried about, it was facing Trip. In the end, my desperate need to see him won out over my fear. We both felt the agony of yesterday. I took it out by lying in bed all day, holding myself up in solitaire. He took it out by almost creaming someone who happened to rub him the wrong way. Instinctively, I knew he was going through the same hell I was, especially after the way he watched me run out of the stables yesterday. Lucy's breathing was heavy with sleep as I tiptoed around the room, slipping a lavender sundress over my head. In the main room, which was empty, I quietly brushed through my hair while checking my appearance in the mirror. I must be crazy, I thought to myself as I softly opened the door and crept out into the cool night. Normally, I might have been cold, but now my face was flushed with the thought of what I was going to do. Once outside, I briskly walked behind the cabin, and somehow in the dark, I found the creek that Trip had showed me yesterday. As I followed the water, I tried to calm myself by thinking of what I might say to him. Nothing came to me. What was I doing? It wasn't a long walk. I don't know whether I was happy or utterly terrified to see light coming from his cabin, confirming he was not only in there, but awake. My heart had been racing since I had stepped out of bed, but now I was sure that it was about to break out of my chest and start running through the grass. Do it. Do it before you lose your nerve, I told myself harshly as I stood on his porch, my nose all of three inches away from the front door. Before I knew it, my hand rasped on the wooden entrance to the cabin probably a little too harshly a result of the immense amount of adrenaline coursing through my body. As soon as I heard the sound of my fist knocking, I cried inside my head, cursing myself for what I was doing. For a split second, I thought about running. Too late. The first thing to greet my eyes as the door swung open was a massive amount of rock-hard, bare chest. A light shading of hair ran down the center, only to disappear into a pair of faded jeans that were zipped, but had the top button undone. I was reminded of the first night I saw him, atop his Mustang, clad only in boots, jeans, and a cowboy hat. What I had seen that night stood before me now in more detail than I could have ever wished for. It was an image that would be branded into my mind forever. I felt a dampness between my legs, and heat spread throughout my entire body. My eyes traveled upwards and latched onto his, which at first held a look of surprise before turning quizzical, and then finally understanding, after seeing the burning desire in my own gaze. He didn't say anything, but he stepped back a couple feet and moved aside, giving me room to walk into the cabin. I knew once I entered, there would be no turning back. Knowing what was waiting for me inside though was more than enough to push me through the door. The inside of his cabin looked similar to the one I was staying in, except you could tell that somebody actually lived in it full time. There was a large fireplace in the center of the room with a big woolly rug in front that covered the hardwood flooring. A small love seat and a couple of chairs surrounded the lit fire and mantelpiece which from what I could see held a few framed photos and what looked like a football trophy. The kitchen was to the left as you walked in, and on the right was a large door which I assumed led to the bedroom.it registered that I was in his cabin, and I grew scared as I turned to him. He was staring at me with a hard look of stark need as he stood against the back of the love seat, facing away from the fire with his arms crossed. His eyes roamed over me, but I could tell that he was not going to make a move and was instead going to wait patiently until I made myself clear that I was the one who had gone there that night. I was the one taking the initiative. I looked at him with a pleading in my eyes, as if begging him not to make me feel this way, as if he could do anything about it. 
I'm going back to California in a week and a half. I blurted it out, not knowing where it had come from. I was more telling it to myself than to him, trying to reason with my emotions. Then why are you here tonight? His voice was steady and hard, yet quiet. I, I don't know, I said exasperatedly, turning away from him so that I could clear my head. With him standing only feet away from me and barely dressed I couldn't breathe, let alone think. Yes, you do, he said behind me, softly. No, I, I couldn't sleep. If there was any logic behind my chosen words it completely escaped me. Well that makes two of us, California. His voice became lighter. Would you like a drink? A drink? And no. I don't want a drink. I became frustrated, not with him but with the situation that I heard him walk around to one of the chairs and sit down in front of the fire, his gaze still burning on my back. Perhaps some music then? I could tell he was beginning to tease me now playing on my awkwardness and inability to convey my feelings that I sighed. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have come tonight. My voice expressed my inner turmoil. But you did, and you are here tonight. His tone was suddenly soft and pained. You need to admit it to yourself, so turn around, look at me, and tell me what you came here for. I was defeated, but liberated at the same time. He was right. I was here, and there was something that I wanted more than anything I had ever yearned for in my whole life. Slowly, I turned to look at him, and without breaking the gaze between us, I walked over to the chair that sat across from him in front of the fire. I didn't sit down, but stood in front of the seat, facing him with about eight feet between us. Both of us looked as if we were going to explode at any second. Never in my life had I felt such tension in one room between two people. I want you. I whispered in a voice so soft that I doubted he heard me. You want me to what? His gaze was wild and demanding. I want you to make love to me. I was surprised at how easily the words came flowing out of me. They seemed to undo him, and he slowly stood with a look of desire in his eyes that promised to devour me. Come here, Kira. As he headily whispered my name, I couldn't get into his arms fast enough. Suddenly I was being crushed to him, and our mouths met with fervor. His tongue penetrated as his hands roamed up and down my back, and then over my backside, squeezing and gripping handfuls of material from my dress. We were on fire. All I felt was his hard body and bare skin against me, underneath my fingertips, and then he pulled away and kept me at arm's length as he sat down once again in the chair behind him. We have to slow down. I don't want to do this too fast. I want to enjoy every second of it. He was breathing hard, his eyes fierce and his body tense and stressed out I closed my eyes and nodded, knowing how he felt. There would be plenty of time to ravish each other. Right now I needed him to be gentle. I looked down at his pants and saw the huge bulge that I had felt pressed against me just seconds ago. Did I do that to him? He reached out and took my hands, bringing me to stand in between his parted knees as he sat in the chair. His hands slowly moved up my arms to the tops of my shoulders where they rested for a moment. I tried to control my breathing, tried to stay standing as he seductively brushed along my skin with his fingertips. Then, he moved to grip the straps of my sundress, and in one unbearably slow motion, he peeled the garment off of me and let it fall to my feet. The man truly sounded as if he were in pain as I stood there, inches away from him, in my white lace bra and panties. He let out a soft groan between jagged breaths while his eyes roamed my body. Hesitantly, as if not trusting his self-control, he reached one hand up to gently cup my breast through the thin barrier. My knees almost gave out. The ache I felt between my legs grew to the point of slight pain. Trip. My voice was breathless. I knew what I had to admit to him before we went any further. 
Yes, honey? He was focused solely on caressing me. I, um, I'm not very experienced with this type of thing. Oh God, please don't let him stop. His fingers lightly moved over the outside of my brow while his eyes held a look of wonder as he softly pressed against my breast. He didn't look up at me until he realized what I was trying to get at. His eyes went wide. Are you, are you a... I nodded quickly before he could get the word out. I didn't want to hear him say it. His stare went blank for a moment before he slowly stood, cupping my face. His hands were gentle as he stroked my cheek with his thumb. Kira, are you sure you want to do this? His eyes were cautious waiting for my answer. Yes. The fact that he asked showed what a gentleman he was, but I didn't hesitate one second before giving my answer. Please. I whispered in agony. I'll die if you don't. That was all he needed to hear before he bent down and latched his mouth upon my neck. I moaned as his lips trailed kisses up under my ear and his tongue found a sensitive area behind the lobe. His hands wove through my hair, and I clung to him. The next thing I knew, I was being lifted into him arms and carried into the bedroom. His mouth never left mine as he sat down on the edge of the large bed, cradling me against his powerful body like he would a child. I certainly didn't feel like a child though. He held me against him, his hands roaming my back while his tongue delved deeply, tasting my mouth. Sitting on his lap, that hard bulge beneath his jeans teased my soaked panties, driving me crazy. I was glad he was holding me now. I didn't know whether I could support myself at this point. I was so weak with need. Grab a hold of my neck. He whispered against my mouth. As soon as I did as he asked, I felt those hands on my back move to unclasp my bra. He stopped kissing me for a moment and stared into my eyes as he slowly slid the straps down my arms, unwinding my limbs from his neck as he did so. My first instinct was to hide myself. I'd never been so exposed before, and part of me was afraid to make myself so vulnerable to this man who seemed to be controlling my every move and thought with his touch. I made an X with my arms over my breasts as the bra fell to the floor. No. Don't. His voice was gentle but commanding. Let me see you, Kira. Defeated, I lowered my arms as he set me next to him on the bed. His eyes devoured me as he took in my large breasts and pink nipples, which were stiff and aching. Groaning, he lowered his mouth and kissed the very center of my chest while gently holding my back and pushing me down onto the bed. I knew this was going to happen from the moment I first saw you in the lodge. He said breathlessly as he adorned kisses across my body. I remembered the way he had looked at me that first time, like he was looking into my very soul. I knew then that it was inevitable. That you and I are inevitable. His voice was a heavy, erotic whisper as his lips finally found a sensitive nipple and drew it into his hungry mouth. I wasn't expecting the intense pleasure that coursed through my body as his tongue lapped over the peaks of my breasts. His head rose and he gave me a small smile as he cupped each one with his hands, delicately thumbing my nipples. I writhed and moaned beneath his touch, and he watched me as one hand then made its way down my body. Yesterday was torture. He whispered to me while watching me tremble. All I could think about was touching you, doing this. His hand gently cupped my mound over my underwear, and his eyes grew wide at finding how wet I was. Sweet Jesus, I think we have to take these off, sweetheart. My modesty had completely flown out the window, and I moaned appreciatively when I felt him start to lean over me and slowly remove my panties, which were now reduced to a sopping wet piece of cloth between my quivering thighs. I knew it was coming soon. I needed to be touched there. I would beg for it if I had to doubt he let in a sharp intake of breath when my hairless pussy became exposed. The underwear came off quickly, and soon I was completely naked. 
Trip grabbed my arms and slid me to the top of the bed, where my head hit a pillow. His hands made their way down my body, caressing my arms, breasts, belly and thighs before taking hold of my knees and prying them open, revealing my throbbing cunt to his gaze. I had never been so exposed before, and I relished in the feeling of giving myself to Trip in this way. Nothing had ever felt so right. Trip, please. I moaned as his hands massaged my inner thighs. Sure. You want this, Kira. You want me to look at you, to touch you. His fingers moved to my dripping snatch, and as if he were caressing a kitten, he peeled back the slick folds, exposing me fully. My God, look at that. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. He said in awe as one finger pressed against the top of my slit before making a journey down. I moaned as he slowly moved over my exposed clit, and then down to caress the wet opening of my love canal. I lay there, naked and panting, overcome with desire. His hands were gentle but demanding, as if I was an untrained horse who needed taming. Slowly, he moved up and down along the outside of my sheath, but then, just as I thought he would push a finger in, he traveled back upward, juices dripping from his fingers, to press sternly against my clit. Oh! I moaned deeply as his middle finger began to slowly circle my swollen nub. Have you ever been touched like this before? He asked breathlessly in my ear that I couldn't form words at that moment. All I could do was shake my head back and forth against the pillow, crying out in pleasure that he moved his other hand up to my breast and in parallel motion, began to circle around my nipple with his thumb, once in a while grazing over it and plucking it between his fingers. It was almost more than I could stand, his hands moving expertly over my soft, naked flesh. Then he replaced the hand on my breast with his mouth, suckling a nipple as if his life depended on it, as he positioned himself between my open legs that I had never had sex before but I knew I wanted it. I knew if he didn't enter me soon that I was going to go permanently insane. Trip, please. I need you inside me. The way I sounded, one would guess that I was being tortured, and it was true tortured with pleasure. His mouth left my aching nipple and rose to kiss me gently, his hard, callous fingers still enveloped in the folds of my pussy. One finger slid inside my tight cunt as he gazed into my eyes, watching the effect he was having on me. Not yet, Kira. He murmured against my lips while giving me brief, soft kisses. There's something else first. I moaned and rocked against his finger, gripping it with my inner muscles. His mouth made a slow descent down my body, kissing and sucking everything he came into contact with. His tongue bathed me while I tried not to shatter into a million pieces. There are many ways to love a woman. He spoke to me sensually as he trailed kisses up my inner thigh. And this is one of my favorites. And with that, he dragged his tongue over my slit while his hands parted me open, making me vulnerable to his exploring mouth, which made an effort to taste every soft, yielding inch of flesh between my legs. He circled my clit with his demanding lips before drawing the hard, little nub in and sucking gently. My fists gripped handful of bedsheets as I cried out in ecstasy while he made love to me with his tongue. You taste amazing. He moaned as his lips caressed the slick, pink tissue. Like milk and honey, and heaven. I'm no trip, I'm gonna owe. I couldn't see straight. I couldn't think straight. He knew every sensitive spot, knew exactly what to do. It was as if everything around me had disappeared and the only thing that was left was his mouth against my pussy. Yes, baby, come for me. Come for me with my tongue inside you. The part of his mouth he spoke of entered me at that moment, while a thumb came down to harshly stroke my clit that I was sent over the edge. Thank goodness his cabin was far enough away from the main spread, otherwise I was sure I'd have woken the entire ranch. 
Even I was surprised by the scream that tore from my lips as the throbbing in my loins exploded and tore my body in two. He rose and stifled my yell with his mouth, which descended down onto mine, enveloping my cries. As I rode out the pleasure, he softly kissed along my cheek and neck. One hand still cupped me between my legs that I still wasn't completely aware of my surroundings, still was locked away in a euphoric haze when I heard Tripp's sliding his jeans off. Breathing heavily, I opened my eyes to see him gazing at me with a look of starved hunger as he sat in front of me on the bed. My eyes traveled downward and widened as they saw the proof of that hunger. I should have known, was I expecting him to be small? Of course that part of him would be just as powerful as the rest of his body. Tripp saw my look of fear as I took in his size, and his male arrogance kicked in for a moment, while he gave a small chuckle. Don't worry, princess, it'll fit. He reassured me, as if reading my mind. He tucked a lock of hair behind my ear while giving me a heartfelt look. You're wetter than a summer storm. As he said it, the hand that cupped me began to once again start caressing. Dear God, how was it possible that this was happening again in such a short period of time? His fingers worked on me and I melted, giving a soft moan. As pleasure began to course through my body once again. I barely heard the sound of Trip opening the nightstand drawer next to us and unwrapping a condom. I felt a finger enter me, probing deeply before a second finger joined it, stretching and filling my pussy. Just as I was beginning to float away in bliss, the fingers left me, and I opened my eyes in frustration at the lack of pressure down there. Trip was nestled between my legs, his face inches from mine as a hand caressed my cheek softly, and he leaned down to give me a lingering, gentle kiss. Kira, it's gonna hurt. He whispered as if he himself were hurting with the thought of having to cause me pain. I know. I nodded as my hands wrapped around his neck. It's okay, it's worth it. I sighed as more of his weight came upon me. Being underneath his powerful body was more wonderful than I could have imagined. I knew that after the pain, I was going to be flying to the moon. He gave me a small smile, appreciating my courage. It was time, and he positioned himself at my slick entrance, waiting for me to give the go-ahead. I pulled his head down to mine and our mouths met as he pushed into me in one quick motion. His hands gripped my head as he moaned against my mouth. In truth, the moan was louder than my small cry of pain. After a couple of seconds, he opened his eyes and looked down at me, checking to see if I was all right. It had hurt, but the feeling of being filled so completely with him was quickly relieving the pain with a pleasurable ache. I stared into his eyes, which looked as though they were trying to see into my soul. In that moment, I swear, his gaze was more penetrating than his thick cock inside me. We both simply looked at each other for a minute before he began to move. There was no pain now, only a powerful, all-consuming satisfaction between us as slowly but deeply, he rocked against me. Our eyes were locked on each other, never so much as blinking. I was in his arms, and I was his as he filled me, over and over again. Now that he was finally inside me, I never wanted him to leave. He brought his forearms down to rest on the bed and his mouth gave me a single, passionate kiss before he grabbed the back of my head in one hand, holding my face in place, inches from his, as he thrust into my body. He stared at me as his other hand firmly sought my left breast. Feeling content as he took total control, I let him have me, completely, as I let go of everything I held onto and surrendered to his power. The pleasure was so intense that it would have scared me if Trip hadn't been holding me so tightly. His movement was incredibly sweet, and I panted and cried as he rode me. In his eyes was a ferocity that matched the forcefulness of his member, which was plunging into me so deeply that I thought I would rip. As he increased his tempo, 
our breathing became ragged and wild, like animals in heat. A thin layer of sweat covered us at this point, as our bodies strained to become as close as physically possible. It was then that I felt it, clearly building from inside of me, an explosion of dynamic proportions. My breathing stopped, and Tripp could tell what was about to happen. In his eyes, I could see the same fire that was moments away from consuming me. I lost control and my eyes closed as I floated away into that world where I would find release. Look at me, Kira. His voice was harsh and commanding, filled with a desperate need that matched my own. He brought me back and forced me to open my eyes. I had never seen such intensity. Right here. He pointed to his eyes with two fingers. Look at me while you come. And in that split second before it happened, the calm before the storm if you will, we shared something beautiful as our eyes locked on to each other's. There was a deep understanding between us, and I knew in that moment that my life would never be the same. He pulled out once more, and when he entered me again, my body went wild and I shuddered and shook beneath him. It was then that I saw heaven and the stars, and from the sound of trip above me, I knew he had gone there too. Our world came crashing down upon the two of us, and nothing else mattered at that moment. Nothing. There was just trip and Kira dot a tear rolled down my face not because of a particular sadness that had descended upon me, but rather because of the greatness and intensity of what we had just experienced, both mentally and physically. With the last tremors of orgasm running through us, he lifted me against him and sat back, cradling my face to his chest while he buried himself in my hair. I felt his soft lips graze the top of my head as I collapsed against his body. He turned on the bed and propped himself up against the pillows, bringing me atop him my face still resting within his hands, against his hard torso. A few minutes went by without us saying a word to each other. Unlike moments before, the room was still now, and the sound of musical crickets outside and Tripp's slowing heartbeat serenaded the silence. I didn't think it would be like that. I whispered softly against his skin. I didn't think it could be like that, Kira. His voice was a mix of wonder and confusion. I was expecting myself to be amazing at what had just passed but I wasn't expecting the same feelings from him someone so skillful who had obviously done this so many times before. The confirmation that it wasn't always this amazing gave me a warm feeling inside as I lightly ran a hand along the crevices that separated the muscles on his chest and abdomen. Our sweaty, naked bodies lay there, spent. Both of us were absolutely exhausted. You're so beautiful. He whispered it more to himself than to me as he gazed down, and gently played with a piece of my hair while running his fingers up and down the smoothness of my back. It was the type of thing you typically heard before the sex, during the seduction. He didn't need to say it now, but he did. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't hide my smile, and I lightly kissed his chest to show my appreciation. How is it that you've never done this before? His voice was gentle, but curious that I wasn't particularly thrilled about discussing my virginity, but I supposed it would make sense to open up to him at this point. I never had found anyone who I wanted to do it with. I hadn't found the right person. He rolled us over so that we were on our sides now, facing each other. A hand came up to softly caress my cheek. And I'm the right person? He asked in amazement. After what we had just shared, I felt no shame in letting him see inside me. I knew you were the right person since I first saw you atop that black Mustang the night I arrived. I whispered shyly. His grin was enormous. You saw that? I hid behind the barn and watched you. He chuckled and kissed my forehead. You sneaky, little mouse, you. Always seem to be in places where you shouldn't be. I smiled. I couldn't help it. I saw you off in the distance, and I had to get a better look. Were you disappointed? His voice was playful as we lay there. No. 
I whispered. I wanted to be that horse. I wanted to be the one you were on top of, riding, working your hands against. A hand shot up and quickly covered my mouth. Tripp's face was playfully stern. If you keep talking like that then I'm going to be unable to stop myself from doing something that you're undoubtedly too sore to do again right now. He was right. While we were together, joined, it was magnificent. But now that we were bathing in the afterglow of ecstasy, my body began to feel the consequences of our passion. There was a noticeable ache between my legs, and it wasn't the pleasurable kind that I smiled and apologized as he removed his hand. Then he flipped me over and nestled his head in the cradle of my neck, and he wrapped an arm around me. I knew he was tired not just from the sex, but from the long day of working the ranch as well. I should let you sleep, I said softly, knowing he was starting to doze off. MMM, stay right as you are and I'll be asleep in a couple minutes. His voice was sleepy and content. Trip, I can't stay tonight. Yes, you can, California. He whispered in my ear that I smiled at his use of the nickname. I had to sneak out. My family thinks I'm sleeping, and there will be hell to pay if I'm not there when they wake up. Trip groaned behind me. Nineteen years old, your parents don't allow you to make your own decisions yet? Of course, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't disapprove of me running off in the middle of the night into some guy's bed who I just met. Not to mention someone who's older than me by. How old are you? Twenty-seven, he said dryly. Well, that wasn't that bad. I wish you'd stop thinking of me as a child, I said, referring to his comment on my age. If I thought of you as a child, you wouldn't be lying here naked in my bed. His hand cupped one of my breasts, as if to further his point. Even his lightest touch was electric. I sighed. Trip, when you touch me, it makes me weak. At that point, he shot up out of bed. What did I say about talk like that? I giggled and turned around to look at him. His back was to the bed, and he was running his hands through his hair. Muscles rippled up and down his entire body, and I drank him in with my eyes. My God, I wouldn't doubt that the man had the nicest ass in the history of humankind. I swear you're going to be the end of me, girl, he said teasingly as he pulled on his jeans before turning to smile at me. If you must get back to your cabin, though, I'll walk you there. About ten minutes later, after Tripp had refused to let me dress myself, murmuring something about my wearing clothes being a sin as he slowly and quite agonizingly ran his hands across my body while putting back on my underwear and dress, we were walking back to the guest cabins. Favorite color? He asked as we took our time. Purple. Green. Like your eyes? I smiled. Favorite food? This had been going on for a couple of minutes. Chili, although after tonight I think that's changed. I'd much rather eat you, Trip. He laughed. What about you? Mmm. Chocolate-covered strawberries, most definitely. It went on like this as we walked. I wanted to learn him, know everything about him, read him as if he were a book. I wanted to know what he loved and hated about the world that I wanted to know what he was afraid of, what type of car he first drove, and the name of the street he grew up on. But for now we had this, our hands intertwined and our bodies embracing in the night. It took us a while to get to the main ranch. He kept stopping to kiss me and hold me. By the time we were approaching the cabin, I was dizzy. Spend the day with me tomorrow, he whispered as he nuzzled my neck, pressing me up against the back of the house. Yes, oh yes. I sighed as his hands cupped my face and his mouth once again slashed over mine. I'd do whatever it took to see him as much as possible in the upcoming days. This was no longer a family vacation. It was a time for me to explore my innermost desires. He was my drug, and I planned to overdose. 
continue in the next part.